What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and this week we've got a best of episode. Don't be mad at me. I promise. I'm working on new episodes. I'm working on interviews. I'm booking stuff. Things are still happening, but we got some old episodes in the can. There's some stuff that you might not have heard, and I wanted to bring them to your attention because I was big fans of these episodes and I thought, well, if we're doing a best of episode, I'm going to have to highlight these ones because they were some of the best that we've done in the show's history, which is slowly inching towards 100 episodes. Crazy. It's still a few months away. Still a few months away. But the fact that we're inching towards 100 episodes blows my mind. I can't believe we've interviewed that many people on the show. I can't believe that we have you know, gotten to you know, show a different side of so many WWE superstars for so long. I've thought that these people have such interesting off-screen personalities. It's why I wanted to do this show. And the fact that I have gotten to highlight almost, I think like 80 wrestlers or maybe, I think like 84 wrestlers, 83, I don't know, 83, something like that. 85 people. Just, it's so cool to me, man. Like, it's a dream come true. I love that you guys listen to this show. I love that you retweet it and share it and listen to it and watch it on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. I couldn't be more proud of the work that we do on this show, and I couldn't be happier to do this show. So really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so, so much for listening. Now first, if we're doing a best of episode, if we're doing a best of episode, of course I'm going to go back to one of the coolest episodes that we have done on Out of Character, The Undertaker. Man, I when people ask me what the my favorite interview I've done on the show is, it's it's Undertaker and, and Paul Heyman are up there because Paul Heyman for me is someone who I have the utmost respect for in the wrestling industry. And to do a long conversation like that was so cool. One day when he does a podcast, it's gonna be the best. And hopefully I get him back on the show soon. It's been long enough. Now we can cover ECW. We didn't even we barely tapped into ECW last time. But with The Undertaker, the reason I say The Undertaker is just because, like, man, if, when you think of larger-than-life personalities in, in the wrestling business and, and, and people who have all this mystique to them, there's no one that has more mystery to them than The Undertaker. And just hearing him speak out of character, man-to-man, person-to-person, was just such an honor, such a dream come true, um, and and the definition of what I wanted to accomplish with this show. I mean, we were learning things about him that he had never spoken about before, and the fact that he did so many interviews after he finally broke kayfabe, we did documentaries, did all these things, and the fact that I still found stuff to talk with him about that he hadn't spoken about in public was very cool to me. So here's a little portion of my interview with The Undertaker. You know, I know that they say that you know everyone's character in in wrestling or WWE is you know themselves with the volume turned up but how much of your real true self was in your character over the years it really was i mean i was always um you know i was always into scary stuff i, I liked scary movies and um uh you know i, I just I, I was always just enthralled by um, mystery and, 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 and scare. And, you know, when I was a kid, it was more, it was more theater of the mind. Right. 
you know, later on, you just, you know, the movies, they kind of went into full gore and they didn't leave anything for the, for you to think about. I mean, they showed you everything. Um, but early on, you know, they would, you know, they would cut things off and just kind of let your mind figure it out. So, uh, but yeah, I was always fascinated, even with death and, and, um, you know, there was a time, um, where I had family members that actually worked in a funeral home. So I was around caskets and I was in embalming rooms and uh, little did I know at that point where my, my career and my future was going to go, but, uh, it, it's funny how things work out, but yeah, I mean, the undertaker is, uh, uh, uh a lot of things blown up, uh, to the, the hundredth degree for sure. How old were you the first time you were in an embalming room? Oh my goodness. Uh, kindergarten, God, probably. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's nuts. I mean, it's crazy how things work out. And uh, I remember uh, I, I remember as a little kid, uh, you know, they were going to have a service uh, <laughs> and the, they had already, they had already brought in the casket and, you know, the deceased was in the casket, but the, the service wasn't going to start for another couple of hours. So there was nobody in uh, in the chapel. And my little morbid self decided I wanted to go up and, you know, see up close. And so I worked my courage up and I worked my way all the way up to this casket and peeked in and could have swore that the, that the corpse inside moved. And I took <laughs> off like... <laughs> I took off like a scalded rabbit, but, uh, 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 it's just, it's just funny. I mean, that's, it's funny what, uh, I guess life prepares you for. Yeah. That's definitely funny that you were around funeral homes from such a young age. And then it became such a big part of you as your character. Uh, that's definitely, yeah, I mean, I, that's yeah. interesting because like I said, you know, the whole yourself with the volume turned up, I would have thought the complete opposite, but to hear that you were actually, you know, fascinated by death at such a young age is, you know, interesting for me to hear. Yeah, I really, I, I, you know, and I, I really don't talk about that, that that often. It doesn't normally, it doesn't normally come up, but it, it it's kind of ironic when I start thinking about it, the, the things that were placed in my life, um, you know, later on in life, once I started doing this at the under, you know, when I became the undertaker, you know, we had some long, arduous days of TV production and, um, you know, there were, you know, there were a few times where you just, some you just have hours where you don't do anything. And, um, I, on more than one occasion, I may or may not have pulled out a, you know, a casket and took a little nap in there and, um, uh, <laughs> didn't think anything about it. Right. It's just, is it cold, casket comfortable it, to cool, lay in? I feel like it wouldn't be comfortable. No, I, well, you know, I had some big caskets. I had some big <laughs> opponents early on, so I had some really big caskets uh, that they they had on, in, you know, around. So yeah, they 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 served a dual purpose at times. <laughs> I'll never forget, you know, being a child, and you're actually one of the people who uh, got my fascination with the behind the scenes of wrestling started because when I was a kid, um, my dad was a producer for Ronda Shear up all night. And they had a show in L.A. out here, and he took me to it. And I, my very first wrestling show, I got to be behind the scenes. And I remember you and Yokozuna were, you know, um, you know, opponents at the time. You guys didn't like each other. You were feuding. And I got to walk through the backstage area, and you guys were sitting there playing cards together. 
And I remember going, wait, but they don't like each other. What's going on here? And I remember that was the day where like wrestling was always different for me and why I enjoy covering wrestling because it was like, oh, these people do like each other sometimes crazy. And it really got my mind going from a young age. Yeah, Yoko and I were, yeah, I mean, Yoko and I were, were very close and there's not a day I don't think about him. Um, you know, that's not always the case. So there's a lot of guys that you don't like that you don't play cards with. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened to be that Yokozuna and I were uh we were we were really close and we spent a lot of we, we spent a lot of time uh downtime playing dominoes and playing cards and um you know that's the the origins of the of the famous BSK was was dominoes and and a, and a group of guys that kind of like-minded guys that hung out together and um but yeah it it, it and it would be funny because if if I won, you know, if I won at cards before we went out and worked, uh, it was going to be a long night for me. <laughs> Yoko could impose his will when he wanted to. So, um, you know, he might sit on that bonsai drop a little longer than normal if I'd, uh, you know, if I'd taken a few bucks off of him while we were playing cards. But, uh, yeah. Which is understandable. Was, I think uh, anyone would react that way. You know, I'm sure you'd probably choke slam him a little bit harder if uh, he had beaten you. Oh yeah, yeah. But there's only you know, Yoke was <laughs> he was just a different kind of cat. You there wasn't a whole lot you could do to him. Um, I just basically what I try to do to him to get back at him is is make him run around the ring and chase me <laughs> and, and try and make him tired. That was about all I could do because uh Yoke you know, Big Rod was a man's man. And, uh, you know, you know, the Samoans, man, they, they don't play. So, but, uh, I, I, I tell you what, I, I really miss, uh, I, I miss him and, and, uh, and the good times that we shared together. Well, you know, in talking about your real true self and, you know, you behind the character, what words would you use to describe your off-screen personality? My off-screen personality? Just you at uh, home, you with your friends. What, how, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a lot lighter. Uh, I'm not nearly as dark um, as what you see on TV. I, I I love cutting up. I love playing. Uh, you know, I love playing practical jokes on people. Uh, just you know. I, at this point, now there was a there was a long period of time there where it was hard for me to shut Undertaker off. Um, I, I mean, I kind of live, you know, it's kind of chronicled, well chronicled now that I I lived that character, and, and that sometimes bled over into my personal life. But uh, at, at this point, um, you know, I'm rediscovering who Mark Calloway is, and uh, a lot of the things that I sacrificed. Uh, for the sake of my career and, and, and that character I'm, I'm getting to do now. And, and it's, it's really cool. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting to finally spend time with my children and uh, you know, that, that, and, and my wife just, you know, quality time, not time where I'm sitting there thinking about, okay, I, you know, I've got this opponent coming up and not, you know, what can I do different here? It's just, you know, it, it's just a, uh, I guess I'm in the in the middle of a of a deep exhale. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of like, not that yeah, because I, I do. I miss I miss being in the ring, and if it was if my body would allow it, I would probably still still be out there. But uh, it's nice being at home um, and not having to worry about 
uh, you know, what I have to do next as far as, you know, being in the ring and all that. It, it's nice to be able to go hunting and fishing and, and hang out with my kids and go to the beach and do all those things that, uh, you know, I mean, they're still, they're, they're still kind of difficult. Obviously I've been on TV for 30 plus years, so it's kind of hard to, to, to blend in and hide, but uh, I, I make a much, much bigger effort now to do those kind of things uh, while I still can. Yeah. I want to ask some more questions about current Mark Calloway, but you mentioned something that I also wanted to touch on. So before we breeze past it, you know, when we started mm-hmm. this conversation, you mentioned, you know, early 90s, you figuring things out. And then just now you mentioned how, you know, eventually it was hard to shut off the character and that you were just always in Undertaker mode. At what point did you kind of d- decide that you were going to have to live this character 24-7? Um, I, honestly, it was... I guess it was before 91 when I, when I wrestled, uh, before I wrestled Hogan at survivor series and and won the title, I, I had already felt the, the, the momentum and just the, the, the difference that my character presented as opposed to a lot of the other characters. I mean, I, I realized, um, and, and that was always my goal was to be different. Uh, you know, I, I, I always studied uh, one, I studied whoever was on top. Right. So I, you know, I studied warrior and I studied Hogan and I studied Jake, the snake. And I, I was, I was watching what they were doing and was always thinking like, all right, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to present? That's different than everything stereotypical stereotypically you think of a professional wrestler. And then, you know, then it's, then it started coming, you know, to me and I'm studying Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and all these different things. And, you know, back then it was a lot, it, it was a lot easier because everyone didn't have cell phones back then. And, you know, you're not being recorded almost anytime you're in, in public like you are now, but I did want to present when people did see me in the airport or when they saw me out and about, um, you know, although I wasn't dressed in my TV undertaker garb, it wasn't much different. I mean, I always dressed in black. I always, I mean, there was no doubt who it was. And then I presented myself in a way where like, dude, that dude, that really, yeah, he is, you know, he's not right. And, and, (laughs) and, But in my mind, I had to do that to give that character credibility because the character itself was so over over the top. You know, in my mind, I said, well, I've got to make people believe. And it was crazy what people believed. I mean, half the people said, are you really dead? (laughs) I mean, I got that. I honestly, I got that quite a bit. Next up in this best of is my conversation during WrestleMania week with Sami Zayn. Now, this Usi conversation happened before he became the honorary Us, but you know he was still doing his thing with Johnny Knoxville at the time. But even then, you know, before everyone hopped on the Sami Zayn bandwagon, I was trying to tell him during this episode that he was my favorite wrestler at the time. I have so much respect for Sami Zayn, and I think, I, I truly believe that he thinks about wrestling on a deeper level than, than than a lot of other people, and that's not to disparage anyone else in the industry. It's really just to put him over even more, because I think that a lot of people do think on higher levels, but sometimes when I talk to him about 
you know, when I hear him talk about character work and when I spoke with him about it in this episode, to me, hearing his thoughts on it, hearing the way he thinks about the business, hearing the way he thinks about you know, working with a crowd and getting them on your side, um, truly valuable for anyone who wants to get to that level. You got to think like this. So here's my conversation. Oh, well, here's a piece of my conversation with Sami Zayn, the honorary use, before he was the honorary use. So you recently re-signed with WWE, and you kind of mentioned a little before how you have some, uh, how you can kind of be involved in the creative aspect of your character now. Um, that must be nice for you to feel so creatively fulfilled right now. Well, let me, uh, let me just nip this in the bud. I don't want to act like I'm booking my own stuff because I'm no, not. No, yeah, but to have an involvement. Input, input, input. Yes. input. Um, and for the creative uh, team and whoever to be receptive to my ideas, and I don't get all, trust me, I swing a lot. <laughs> I, and they'll tell you, <laughs> if you ever have them in one of these chairs, which would be very interesting. They'd never let that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I swing a lot. And I don't think I swing a lot of duds, but sometimes I, I swing ideas that there's reasons why I don't know why they won't work. And sometimes they tell me that won't work because of X, Y, Z. But a lot of things they'll take. And okay, it's not exactly how I envisioned it, but pieces of it get through, like the documentary, for example. And they take on a life of their own. So uh, yeah, for sure, having even a little bit of creative input, I think that's really what's taken my, my appreciation and my uh, enjoyment of being here in WWE to, an to another level. Is I'll say, hey, I really wish we could kind of do this, and then some version of it happens, and I'm thrilled, I'm over the moon, what more could you ask for? Yeah, totally. You know, what more, that's it. Uh, I mean, that's you know, the collaboration process, it's great, you know? Yeah, yeah, to just feel like you have a voice and you're feeling heard, and then when you actually go out there and do it, you feel respected and valued. That's really what kept me here. You know, uh, there are other factors for sure, but that was really it. It wasn't, oh, all of a sudden my contract's coming up and it's time to negotiation and, hey, hey, we really like you. Well, where have you been the last two years? No, no, the last two years, they've showed me that they, they value me. Yep. So when they told me they wanted me to stay, I believeed them. Yep. So I stayed. <laughs> yeah. Well, give it up yeah, for Sammy Stane, yeah. right? We're all happy Sammy yes. Stane, right? I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I don't know if I've mentioned that, but I, I'm feeling so good right now. Maybe it's the coffee a little bit. <laughs> but I'm just so happy to be in this room with all these people. Uh, because, look, you saw what happened to Big E. This, this stuff, man, it's so delicate. And we're, we're one gust of wind away from not being in the same room with each other. So anytime we're in the same room with each other, I just really, I don't know, man. That's how I try to approach wrestling, how I try to approach life is, it sounds so cheesy to say it out loud, but every moment is a gift. Every breath is a gift, man. I and like, it won't be here much longer. And that Hall of Fame last night, I don't know about you guys, I welled up like five or six times. Oh, I was in full tears for yeah. the Chad Gaspard stuff. And it, Undertaker, I was like, oh. All of them, all like four four out of the five, I was like weeping. Uh, and it's because I, I know firsthand what that's gonna feel like. Because even I even heard Undertaker say this in a different interview where he said something like, my mind, I still have the visions of what I wanna do, how I wanna do it, I still see it. But you come to a point where my body just won't let me do it anymore. And that's like, I don't know, man. You know, I'm still kind of younger, but I think on a certain level, we all come face to face with our own mortality. And that's the closest I come to my own mortality is realizing I can't do this forever. And one day you're gonna be too old to do this. And then the next step is, you know, you're old. And then one day you're just not here anymore. 
And when I think about it like that, I'm like, wait, I really like being here. <laughs> I love it here. <laughs> yeah. You're saying I have to leave? I don't want to no, leave. I don't wanna go. Can, we, can we just keep doing this? This party rules. I just want, yeah, I want to <laughs> play with my friends. I want my, all the guests are here. We're having a good time. Don't take this away. <laughs> and then you watch these guys at the Hall of Fame and they live this too. And then it's over. And it's just so inherently sad to me. But that's life. Life is beautiful, but it's so inherently sad. Yeah. Uh, not to bring you people down. <laughs> All this to say, these are why we need to appreciate these moments together. And the pandemic, I think, was a good eye-opener for that. Uh, and now having everybody back here, this is that's why I think I'm so high and so in love, in love with everybody and in love with being here. Yeah, oh, feel I, great, man. I completely understand, and I, I, I agree with everything you were saying. Like yeah. my brother, when he passed away, he was in his 30s, you know. Jeez, man. And like, I'm sorry. He was like, I mean, thankfully, like my brother did a lot. You know, he was a cinematographer for snowboarding videos and made a bunch of snowboarding videos for big companies and worked. You know, got to film pro wrestling and stuff. But he, he lived while he was here. He lived while he was yeah. here, very much. Which and, is as much as you can ask, and, right? Exactly. But ah. I mean, you learn in a situation like that, you know, that like time is time has a has an ending, you know, yeah. like in your life. So it sucks. Yeah. But it's also on the flip side of that, it's what makes this so precious and so beautiful too, you know? Yep. yep. So I don't know, this this took a strange left turn here, guys, sorry. <laughs> you, I knew he was a deep thinker. I told you guys he was a deep, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about wrestling and well, do you think we're it's talking about our own mortality. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Yeah. That's the kind of conversations I like to have. So it's, it's totally understandable. Cool. Uh, do you think it's important though? Cause you were talking about how much you pitch backstage, how much you're trying to have input and stuff. Yeah. Do you think it's important for talent to do that? Because you hear a lot of the old generation of wrestlers say that, but then a lot of times you hear current day say it's not as easy to do that it's as not. it was for them. That's what I'm saying. That was a big game changer. Um, and that's trust that's earned. Because a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this, their pitch is, yeah, so I win and I become champion, <laughs> you know? Okay, you know who else is pitching that? Everybody else. So. <laughs> Uh, and there are times I've pitched versions of that, but I'm like, but hear me out, here's why. It's not for me, it's for, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, all this to say, I did pitch stuff, I pitched less earlier, but that's also when you have the comfort of knowing you're a guy that they're always gonna feature. And I've been on both sides. I've been pretty prominently featured, I'd say since I came up to the main roster. But a lot of times, it's happened once or twice where I was just sitting on the sidelines and that was the real, those are the only times where I was really unhappy here and it would only last maybe two or three weeks, but nothing is worse than feeling un, you know, unappreciated or unvalued. And the, the company, it's not, they're not outwardly trying to spite you and say like, we don't care about you, go sit and catering. They're not saying that. There's just so much talent and there's so much television time and sometimes the dominoes stack a certain way and you're just on the sidelines. It happens to almost everybody. Almost everybody has that at one point or another. So when you're the guy who's fighting for inches and to just try to get on the show and just try to keep that, there's this desperation and it's not fun. But now where I'm at the point where I know they're gonna put me on the show. I know I can breathe easier and I can enjoy what I'm doing. And even if I'm doing something that it's not exactly what I dreamed of, but you know what? I'm on the show for 10 minutes tonight and I could make it as good as humanly possible. I'll take that. As long as I'm featured and I feel like I'm part of the team and I'm helping, that's what I'm here for. Yep. You yep, know? Totally. So, uh, I'm sorry, what was the question? Oh, wait, now? <laughs> you think it's important for people to be to, yeah. to trying to do that? Yeah, but I, I'm going to say that and I'm going to say it's not the same. It's so circumstantial. Yeah. It's not the same for everybody. The WWE experience, it, there's no two people who have the same. I'm telling you, all the people who've come here over the years, no two people have the same experience. 
everybody has a very unique uh, curve. Everybody has their own ups and downs. Yep. Everybody has a different experience. Roman's WWE experience is very different from Sami Zayn's. Sami Zayn's is very different from Sasha Banks or from Kevin Owens or AJ Styles. Or Sa- Everyone's got it different. So when you say these things, I don't think, once again, this is bigger than just wrestling, it's life. You can't use these blanket statements and say, well, you should be pitching. You don't know. You like you don't you just don't know. It's worked for me, but there's also times it didn't work for me. It's touch and go. Yep. There's no formula to success for this. I think also, you know, you've gotten to a stage in your career, I mean, 20 year anniversary you recently yeah. had of your time in the ring. And a lot of times you hear legends or people in any industry say, Oh, it took me 20 years, it took me 15 years before I got really good and really like locked into what this business is all about. And you go like, that's crazy. It doesn't take you that long. But then when you're an adult and you're 15 years sure. into your career, you go, oh, okay, well, I guess that does make sense because now I finally get it. Yeah. And I feel like that's where you're at, kind of. I've had different moments. I don't think there is ever, I, 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 once again, take wrestling out the window and just a life. There is never a moment in your life where you're like, ah, now I got it. <laughs> never. When you're 30, you're going to look back at yourself when you were 17 and go, man, I was so dumb. When you're 17, you're thinking when you were 12, you're like, I was just a kid. There's never a point in your life where you have it all figured out. I believe the same is true about wrestling. So I do think there's like, at the 10 year mark is where I started to feel like, oh, I really get it. 10 or maybe a little less, nine, where I was like, oh, now I'm really firing on all cylinders. But then I also had a moment where I watched some video online of my work five years in and I was like, damn, I, I was I was only five years in? This is great, you know? I mean, so I was better at certain things then and I'm better at certain things now. And you talk about the character development, I'm, I'm, I'm operating on a higher level character-wise than I've ever been. And now we're on the 20 year mark. But, you know, I was operating at a different level athletically or I had different, I don't know. I've been pretty good for a long time. <laughs> Well, that is true. <laughs> There's that little ego. <laughs> He's always in there. But all this to say, um, I think it's just different stages. You have different aha moments, different light bulbs going off. But I don't think you ever have it figured out completely, completely. And that's the thing about you fans huh, is uh, <laughs> you guys change a lot. And you change literally overnight from town to town. So if we go to one town, and this has happened, by the way. I had a match in Bowling Green, Kentucky with Kevin on a live event, on a house show. One of our best matches ever. The crowd, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. The crowd was so good. Every little thing we did, they reacted like how you picture it in your head. They were doing it times 10. They were so good. One, two, three, they were standing, they were dancing. It wasn't even wrestling cheers. They were partying. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. It was a party. We rocked it. We came back. We rocked it. We we're thrilled. Tomorrow, man, we got to do something like that. Apples and oranges, man. <laughs> same thing, same kind of premise, same two guys, same storyline, same everything. Different crowd, different people, different night, different town. Oh, back to the drawing board, I guess. That's crazy. So you never have it figured out. And it's because these fans are different all the time. So you'll never be able to say, I guarantee this will work. Never, never. And that's why people are still nervous. People have been doing this 20 years. We're about to wrestle at WrestleMania tonight, tomorrow. 
everyone's nervous because they don't know for sure how you guys are going to act. <laughs> you terrify us. We love you, but you keep us on our toes. And that's the thing. That's why you'll never have it figured out completely, yeah. which is, again, beautiful. It reminds me of that Bo Burnham make happy uh, thing when he did the Kanye rant. And he's talking about how the audience, how he loves them, but he also fears them and he like needs them, but he wants to say what he wants to say. And it's you a very complex thing. You want to be able thing. to control them. Yes. But you really don't. It's like the uh, timeless dance of seduction. You know, <laughs> like you want the chase. You want to chase, but you don't want it too easy, but you don't want it too hard. And <laughs> it's all this delicate, delicate nuance. Like we want to be able to pull the strings but we don't want it to be too easy. And we like to be told no sometimes. Yep. We like to have to re you know, it's weird, man. It's weird. It's kind of like how some people are attracted to the person who doesn't want them. Yeah. You know, it's like you want to like yeah, make yeah. them, you want to make them want well, you. Well, I, I don't want to go that far. I want these people to want me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I want them to like me. I want them to have fun. Uh, actually, I want them to dislike me, but you know what I mean? I want them to be on board and I don't want to have to pull their teeth to get them on the ride. But boy, let me tell you, when you do, it's a very rewarding feeling as a professional. Like you guys didn't even want to have fun, but I made you have fun, <laughs> huh? You like that? Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> Next, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, man. Cody Rhodes is someone I never thought I would have on Out of Character. I interview WWE superstars, WWE legends on character talent. That's who I have on out of character every week. It's not the wrestling industry as a whole. So I did not think that we would ever see Cody Rhodes on out of character. But the fact that we got him on the show, the fact that he's in WWE is insane to me still. He hasn't been on TV, obviously, in a little while because of the fact that he's been injured. But this was before the injury. This is when he had first came back. And just to hear him talking again was was fantastic. It was fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Cody Rhodes is someone who I have immense respect for, someone who inspires me to follow my dreams, you know, someone who you know, someone who bet on themselves in such a huge way and it paid off. And even though we're like the same age, when I see that, it's inspiring to me. Like betting on yourself isn't easy. You know, you're always taught to take a safer path. You know, have your backup plan, your safety net, what you're going to do just in case ready. And I think that someone like Cody Rhodes is, is inspiring when, you, when you're someone who believes in following your dreams. And that's what Cody Rhodes did. So the fact that it worked out in his favor and showed the powers that be that he could be that guy that they said he wasn't. And now he's coming back and getting that opportunity is so cool to me. So I really enjoyed having Cody Rhodes on the show. I plan to have him on again once he's back. But until then, here's a portion of my conversation with Cody Rhodes. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. And also, uh, I, I want to say, since we're here talking, because you're right, we haven't talked in a long time. It's been a minute. You've had yeah. things going on with you had things going on with AEW. I've been here at Fox working on stuff. Um, but it really did um, it really did touch me when I did get the job here at Fox that you were one of the few people at AEW who I covered a lot. And you were one of the few people who reached out to me to say congratulations. And so it really meant a lot to me. So I'm very happy that we have you here on the show now and that we can talk about some of this stuff. Um, you know, I know on Monday Night Raw, you said that it was easy for you to make the decision to come back. But mm -hmm. as someone who, you know, I started my own website, grew it to have, you know, millions of people coming monthly. Um, I know how difficult it was for me 
to give that up, even knowing that coming here, I was getting the thing that I wanted all along. So for a piece of you, it had to be difficult to have left AEW to come back. Would that be fair to say? When I said on, on Raw that it was an easy uh, decision, it, it was more once I'd gone over everything, I suppose, in my mind as I'd laid the landscape out in front of me and looked at what needed to happen uh, for myself, for my family, for my continued efforts as a, as, a, as a wrestler and for, believe it or not, for the industry as a whole. Of course, though, remember, we had weeks upon weeks uh the story was out there and it was public of of free agency and and all, it was all out for people to to acknowledge and understand i know a lot of people thought it was uh, a work or thought maybe it was uh part of a story and of course it could have been indoctrinated into one but n the decision was easy after a certain point but the best way to describe it not to kind of go back and flip-flop as I, I flip-flop all the time. But the <laughs> truth is, the best way to describe it is it was very heavy. Um, everything about it was was heavy. Was the decision easy? Yes, because of ultimately the opportunity at my very first dream in the wrestling business and revisiting that and uh, getting an opportunity at it in the prime of my career versus waiting to the end of the prime of my career. Uh, the fact that uh, AEW had grown into this adolescent, it's not my baby anymore, and I was just one of the parents, but I'm so proud of it and and excited for its its future and the fact that the boys and girls have these these options. Uh, I did I did think it was just the perfect time, but it was really heavy. Uh, it was it was heavy because I understand my story, right? But the world doesn't revolve. Wrestlers always make the mistake of thinking the world revolves around us, thinking that every fan is going to know every detail that's in our mind and every memory and every goal and every moment. And sometimes just through the patchwork of interviews and stuff like that, they form this perception of you and who you are and even your on-screen stuff. And that's understandable. But I was very satisfied in terms of at WrestleMania itself, I felt like everyone did understand my story. Maybe they don't know what happened and why I left, but it wasn't about why I left AEW. It was about why I was returning to WWE. And that was very satisfying. And any, if anything, it really filled up my heart because this is incredibly real what's happening, man. It is, it's real. And I don't think you could write a better situation. No knock on anyone who writes these stories or anything like that. This is real. Um, a guy who's, you know, thrown to the wolves, however it went, and to a degree came back the leader of the pack. And I just want to keep that going forward. And there are plenty of people who watch uh, pro wrestling and sports entertainment uh, who I hope that I can just be an influence to in terms of it's not always about other people's plans for you. It's got to be about your plans for yourself. And uh, I don't think that's selfish uh, at all, especially if uh, you didn't even ask me in the state. I'm just on a rant here on a full blown rant. So podcasting's um, for. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, uh, I, it was a heavy decision. Yeah, yes, to a degree, it was an easy decision. You could almost say Dan Lambert handed me the WWW.
championship. He handed me the title that my dad is holding in that picture from 1977. He handed it to me. And in that moment, I felt like that decision was almost almost made for me. And I, I don't know if he inadvertently caused this um, industry changing uh, moment, but there were times when it was just very, this is what has to happen. This is what has to happen and what needs to happen. And I think we did it um, with with respect and love and and uh, and I, I, it feels like the uh, the fans, casual fans, wrestling fans, sports entertainment fans, feels like the fans get it. And uh, that's that's really touching. That's uh, I don't know how long the honeymoon phase will last, but we're on the beach right now and really, really, truly enjoying it. Well, you know, you are someone because you mentioned it. You have inspired me like to be I'm not just saying that like in being a fan of yours and watching you just your passion and your willingness to bet on yourself is something that has always inspired me. You know, I've always thought that, you know, you took a big leap doing what you did a few years ago. And now that you know, you're leaping back, it really does inspire me to see someone following the dreams, following their passion and not necessarily caring, you know, what people are going to say about it, but instead caring about what it means to them and how they're going to feel when it's all said and done. Wow. Well, that good. Thank, thank you. <laughs> I, I thank you. Uh, I, gr I great. I'm very happy that it uh, inspires anyone. I think, I think there's a lesson, and you probably know this lesson very well. I did bet on myself. I continue to bet on myself. But part of betting on yourself is surrounding yourself with people who also believe, and. That is one of the most powerful things as a entertainer and a competitor or performer that you can have is a real team um, that is with you, that understands uh, why, uh, that ask you the hard questions. And I have been very lucky and I'd be remiss if I didn't point out throughout it all from the departure in 2015 to the return in 2022, I've had some wonderful teammates and people who have propped me up when I was running on fumes. So that's a big part of betting on yourself is also surrounding yourself with people that want to succeed at the level that you want, that do not want to play small, that do not accept mediocrity. And that's, you know, a big part of, of, of what we do, right? You get that. Absolutely, dude. Having people that believe in you is honestly, I think, one of the most crucial things to success. I don't think that you can really get that success until people believe in you, which is why I try to talk to people on here about following their dreams or betting on themselves, because sometimes you have more people betting against you than, than betting, you know, on your side. So it's, it's, it's very crucial to have people like that. Absolutely. Sure. And as the stakes get, as the stakes go up, there are more people on the other side of the table. So as the stakes go up, more people join your fray and they join the contrarian side of things. They join the other side. And that is an area where our generation, I think we're the same generation, Ryan. I, yeah, we are, I think. We are. Uh, our, our generation has done pretty poorly in terms of uh, we, we have really been the guinea pigs of social media. And I mean this in general, the wrestling space and entertainment space that's right in the pocket of our age. We've been so committed to proving the contrarian side and the people who don't believe we've so wanting to prove them wrong that you almost pass up the opportunity to prove the people who are just with you and want to ride with you. Right. Yes. You know, and, yes. uh, I, uh, every day I feel like 
it gets better in terms of no this this social media space and this new wave of entertainment and streaming and all that um there there's a way to really approach it for those who are there for you and not those for um not for those who aren't you know if that makes any sense oh it makes perfect you have sense. all kinds of trouble on social you're a social <laughs> lightning rod so you get it I, I i i've been there you get it i completely understand what you're saying and actually you know i for so long you know for so long with social media the thing was like oh dunk on someone you want to dunk on someone and mm. kind of like everyone goes like yeah good job you know and and you know you always focused on the ones who were saying something mean to you to kind of like get back at them. And yeah. yeah, it's only been in the past like year or so where I've finally been like, you know what? I'm gonna try to reply to the people who are saying nice things to me more than the people who are saying mean things to me. Because I know, you know, when you're reading through the comments, you can see a hundred nice comments, but there's that one mean one that sticks with you and you go, well, that's the one I'm gonna respond to. And it should not be the case. That's the one that you should ignore, but it is, it is hard to do that for sure. And, and it's, it's hard to do that. And then people make the, the decision. They make that. They'll say, okay, you know what? I'm done with it. Someone else take it over for me. I'm, I'm done with it. And I'm not going to look at it, whatever it might be. And they may not realize that being done with it because of the negativity, you're, you're losing access to some of the positivity. I feel like there's this nice middle lane. You know, I have someone who helps me with all my socials now, but I also have access to it. Uh, I, there's this nice middle lane uh, where you can look at it. But I think I understand when someone of our generation goes off the rails on social, or any generation for that matter, it's not unlike if I was to walk into a hotel uh, by the arena today and there's a fan there saying, hey, Cody, uh, can I have your autograph? And then there's a fan next to him like, hey, that was a great match. But then there's a guy standing right next to him going, you suck. You're the worst human being alive. I hate you, blah, blah. Hum human beings, we do respond. It's, it's, you, you would respond to that, whether you would just say, oh, well, hey, I'm going to take care of these folks or I respect your opinion, or if you would get genuinely fired up. And then you start trying to sell yourself against these people. Like, well, no, you're wrong. And the, the reality is you're a fan. You can do whatever you want. You pay your money. So you can boo. You can cheer. That's why I liked uh, some of the crowds, some of them, that were very polarizing to me. I thought that was so much fun. I was going to ask you something. It wasn't about Will Smith movies. It was, oh, here's, here's why I've always, I've enjoyed your, what would we call it? Your um, crusade on social okay. you've had you've had you i think if i was to have you mike johnson dave Meltzer, um i can't think jim valley what all in one room if you guys were together i'm positive y'all would be talking about wrestling and what you like and the, how cool this was or hey well this they did something like this many years ago that that was also really cool or i it's Everyone's against each other in this space. When I did this media scrum after Mania, and all these people report different things against one another, and I'm thinking, y'all all like what we do. <laughs> what? Just what are we? What are we mad about here? Like y'all like it? Like you're here because you like this? Is that wrestling media is not the highest paid <laughs> gig out there? You know what I'm saying? Like y'all like this? Just 
I don't know. It's no, just, uh, I, and then you I, get on social. And I've tried. Damn. I've tried my best. Look, at, I realized I was a little combative when I first came out the gates. I had a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. I was very combative. Um, and I definitely, you know, with the Meltzers and the Mike Johnsons of the world, like, I wanted them to take me seriously. And I was going to do everything in my power to make sure they did because I was pissed about, you know, leaving TMZ and all that kind of stuff. In retrospect, I wish I hadn't gone that hard in the beginning, but it did help me get to where I wanted to go. And in, you know, since then, you know, with Mike Johnson, uh, he and I recently we've made amends. We're friendly with each other now, and I am one by one kind of trying to go down the line and make cool with some of the people who um, I went a little too hard at in the beginning. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen who, with Meltzer, but Johnson was who's really next. One. Uh, I, mean, I just. I mean, I would love to not have problems with Meltzer and company. It's just, I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. It's, it's been a lot, a lot of bad blood there, but just from me and them and us all I think, talking crap against each other. But you've proven by coming yeah. back to WWE that nothing is impossible. I think you and Dave should, I think you should, you guys should bury the hatchet. And here, I'll just give you, my sister is, is a lot more, people think I'm an angry guy. My sister is far more angry than me about perhaps some of the treatment that my dad got from different sources or people kind of trying to rewrite history, which is happening all over again, hilariously. But Dave said some absolutely wild things uh, about, uh, about the old man, about my dad. I have completely, I... I don't want to see them and I don't want to I don't want to read them because that is my father. But people do change. They, they really do. And every interaction I've had with him um, is positive and is supportive and is real. And the, the point is, I think you should make an effort to uh, to bury the hatchet there, because all it does is we just learn more about wrestling and, and, and bring bringing everybody together. It's such a divisive community and i'm a big part of its division i stirred a lot of shit up uh you know like red velvet stirred a, I, I stirred a lot of stuff up <laughs> i caused a lot of uh, uh dissension and and uh here i am now hopefully you know bringing folks together but again dave dave and i had a unique relationship i really appreciate uh, his his perspective i don't i don't knock it he does seem to use sincere real the information's all out there now. So when somebody tries to rewrite history, he's, he has been quick to, to shut them up. But yeah, Dave, uh, I am a little... Rumor is that somebody paid Dave $150,000 to take away my other half star from Mania, which left me at, at four and a half. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, okay, it was Mad Nick. Maybe they did it. And, but then they only got four and a half for something they just did. So the culprit's still out there. Unless you, don't paid, unless you paid Dave $150,000 to do the same thing back to them. Maybe, maybe he's playing us against each other. Maybe he's just, just taking in the money. Um, according to yeah. Meltzer, there's and no, the other thing, according to Meltzer, everything's fine between all the former EVPs. So I don't know if he would say that. I don't know. It is. It is. I, I, it is. I, I, I love those guys. I do want to know if they paid him off and then I paid him off as well. Um, and you took the EVP that cared the least about the stars. And now I'm like, well, where the hell is it? Where's the other half? Uh, where, you know, where's it? It's not a thing that everyone cares about. Uh, or 
not that they don't, but wrestlers who flat out tell you, oh, oh, I don't care at all. Eh, come on, come on. <laughs> it's, it's, you care, you care. That's like when the PWI 500 comes out and there's always the same rinse and repeat wrestler. If you care about this, you're a mark. Cool. Uh, you have to be a mark to be successful in what we do. So if you're tweeting this, you're just probably not in the top 10. Lastly, this is another one from WrestleMania week. Randy Orton. Randy Orton, the Viper. Another person who's been off TV for a little bit, uh, reportedly due to injury. I'm not sure that's officially been confirmed in any capacity. But he has not been on TV in a little while. And this was an episode of the show that was something I had been trying to make happen since the first episode. I wanted Randy Orton to be the first episode of Out of Character. And it took me... It took me a year of doing the show to make it happen, but I think they call that paying your dues. And the fact that we did the show long enough and and got him on it and got to have a huge crowd of people there, man. Like, look it, I love doing the show. The studio looks so cool. Doing the interviews in person is more fun. But the fact that we had a huge crowd of people for this Randy Orton interview because it was in the middle of access, it was his birthday. We're talking to the Viper, a freaking legend, bona fide first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, the fact that we had a whole crowd of people there and I got to chat with a living legend was just so damn cool. You know, someone I'm someone who's watched his career from the very beginning. And to see where he's grown to as a person is just so cool. You know, I, I'm someone who's all about... Um, you know, paying, giving props to people who have personal growth. And there's no one who's had more personal growth in WWE, in my opinion, than, than Randy Orton. You know, he, he's, he is that locker room mature leader that, that, you know, people thought he might end up being one day, even if he was kind of a menace when he was younger. So to hear him at, a, at a, an adult stage, talking about his career, talking about his legacy, talking about what he wants people to think of him in the future was very cool. So lastly, here's a portion of my conversation with Randy Orton. Fast forwarding, yeah. you know, how crazy is it for you that you've now had the most pay-per-view and Raw matches in, in the history of those things? In the history of WWE. Yeah, I mean, that's... First of all, give it up for that, right? Give it up for him doing that. But how does <laughs> it feel you. for you when you see that? Uh, it's very surreal. Um, you know, that's a lot of traveling, and I, I think about it as a whole. That's that's performing in front of so many different people. I'm traveling to so many different places. I think I've been to just under 50 countries. So just think of the amount of people that I've that I've come into contact with over that couple of decades. It's just, it's really mind blowing to me. Um, and it's an honor to me as well to be able to say that I've had, you know, those numbers. Um, and if I keep doing it for, you know, five, six, seven, eight, you know, another decade, you know, like I said, the end is nowhere near. Those those records might be hard to beat, too. Oh, those you're, are definitely you know? going to be hard and, to beat. And, and I, I I definitely consider that a feather in my cap. You know, the, yeah. the, the longevity is important to me, for sure. Do you have a favorite pay-per-view match? I know it's cliche and it's putting you on the spot. I know you've got, I got a lot of I, I've got a bunch of favorites. Um, I forget, you know, a bunch that I've liked. Um uh, there's there, there, there's some that I thought were great, and then I watched back, and I was like, oh my god, that was the shits, you know. <laughs> um, but like the the one with Foley, uh, 
uh, at Backlash in 2004. That's a favorite, and not just yeah, but, but like not just because I landed in thumbtacks. Like, <laughs> like it's it's what he was doing uh, for me in that match. Like he came out of retirement, allowed me to you know end the year spitting in his face. You know, I think it was the last Raw before the end of the year or something like that. And and you know everyone's. You know, the, 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 the New Year's chiming in and all the wrestling fans are talking about is how I disrespected Foley like that. I mean, I he gave me so much. So that match, because of what he did for me, makes it mean even more than it does because I landed in thumbtacks. Because <laughs> that was pretty badass, too, you know? <laughs> that was definitely badass. Do you, have, do you have a least favorite? A least favorite? Am I allowed to ask that? Ah, uh, gosh. Man. One that you just were like, man, that did not turn out the way I would have I liked I wish it. I could have prepped for some of these questions, because <laughs> on the spot, like, I, uh, what are some bad ones, guys? <laughs> uh, I actually don't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here all day. Uh, you know, none, none uh, ring a bell. I'll tell you what, it was hard as hell to follow uh, Taker Sean at WrestleMania 25 or or whatever that was, that was tough. That seems like a tall task. That was tough. I remember being in the uh, locker room with Triple H and they had a little monitor back then and we're watching uh, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels and he's just sitting there. And I I saw what was happening, but he was being vocal about it. Like, oh, God damn it. (laughs) You know, and I'm watching, I'm like, oh, they're having a great match. What's the problem? You know, well... (laughs) We're gonna have to follow that kid, you know, choke slam, kick, super kick, kick, tombstone, kick out, one, two, the whole crowd is like, oh, they're gonna be tired after that yeah. one. And and they were. It was hard. It was an uphill battle. But I watched that match recently too, and it stands up. I was I was happy with it, you know. It's I think as performers, probably in general, performers are harder themselves, but I think like Maybe it's because I know wrestling, right? Us pro wrestlers are hard on ourselves. There's so many little things that you want to be perfect. And it's very hard on live TV to get it perfect. Um, when it does happen, oh my God, you know? But, but it's, it's, it's tough and we're hard on ourselves. You know, we're hard on ourselves. So many things can go wrong and so much is riding on that time and you, you hitting that mark and, and you taking care of your opponent and just all of the above. How often do you go back and watch old matches like that? I would say the only reason that I'll go back and watch old matches now is because my, my sons, they're big wrestling fans and they'll remind me of stuff that happened that I've, I've forgotten about. Uh, sometimes I'll get a YouTube link sent to me from my oldest son, Michael, and it'll be of like a match. And, and he'll be like, you know, or, you know, he'll, he'll send me stuff. Like the other day, he sent me a uh, Spike Dudley interview. Uh, you guys remember Spike Dudley, right? Hell yeah. And uh, it was Spike Dudley doing an interview. And I, I guess it's it's like current time. And he looked pretty good. He did. I, was I saw like, that clip. I was like, oh, sh- it's Spike, you know? And Because <laughs> he rarely does interviews, too. Right, right. I, I mean, yeah, I, I I haven't seen him in yeah, so he, long. Yeah, he rarely does interviews. But, but it was, it's just... I'll get stuff like that from my sons. And, and because of them, I'll see those older matches, you know? Yep. A, a lot of matches, a, a lot of matches uh, that they show me, you know, happened before they were even born. 
So it's like, it's pretty wild that they can go back on these apps and, and especially Peacock and everything and, and watch the stuff stuff that their dad did before he was, that they were born. It's wild. It's, it's wild. Such a it, it's the kind of stuff like you would never imagine when we were kids, like the kind of stuff that our kids can play with now or, or the just the, the tools to educate and just it's, it's wild. I didn't even know Japanese wrestling existed until I was like, got the Internet as an sure. older person, you know, sure, sure. We just course. had to deal with what we saw on TV out here. You That's know? right. So. Right. VHS tapes. Maybe a friend would have a tape. Right. Yep. And they pass it around until it breaks. You know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thank God we don't deal with VHS anymore. Uh, damn right. <laughs> when you tweeted about uh, those records that you have, you mentioned how the old generation kind of looked down upon keeping records like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on that same token now, you know, is the number of world title wins important to you that you have? Yes, yes. Um, and, and, and definitely, I, I've said that before. Back when I first started, you know, you wouldn't talk about wins and losses. You wouldn't talk about, you know, uh, uh, if they existed likes or, you know, things like that, comments, like you just did, you, you just did what you had to do. But, but it, it, it matters now. I, I think, I think, you know, we have a direct uh, uh, line of communication to the fans. We can hear what they're thinking. And yeah, some of them will give, will give them, will, some of our fans will give us a hard time, but like, you know, and I don't know, maybe I need to word this the right way, but like I'm in a I'm, I'm in a position where I'm in the ring and you guys probably paid to get in this building. And 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 you want to you want me to speak from the heart and, and, and be true. And, and 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 it's just I don't know. It, it, it's an amazing thing that we got here with access and everything. And and, and WrestleMania is a huge week, and I kind of lost my train. Well, of thought. the number of world title wins important to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, of course, of course. Um, I've I've got replicas of all those titles hanging up in my my garage gym at my house, you know. And I'm proud of each and every one of them. Are you I, gonna I, get that I really new one? I saw someone with your new belt out there. They sent me one of those too a couple months ago. Yeah, oh, it's hanging up there too. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, then is it, you know, clearly it's a, it's important to you to build your legacy behind you and to, you know, like you were saying, the number of matches and the records you've had. Is it a goal of yours then to surpass Flair and Cena? I wouldn't say that's a goal, no. If that doesn't happen, I'm not going to be heartbroken over it. Um, I think I'm, uh, I don't want to say I'm content with, with, with everything I've accomplished. Like, I, I definitely would love to accomplish more. But if for some reason tomorrow, you know, that was it. You know, I, I think I would be able to be content with the career that I had. You know, every every day, every day that I'm able to get back in this ring and, and work and travel and meet everybody and, and be on the road, I, I think that's a win. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I've kind of done it all. And I just enjoy every day that I get to stick around from this point on, man. You know? When you are your dad's age, what do you want your legacy in wrestling to be? You were talking about how he kind of grew the industry. What do you want people to remember you for? I I think uh, I think my legacy. I think longevity. I think finding a way to to do it in a smart in a smart way to where you stay true to um, the things from the 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 era of my father. Those those the art of professional wrestling, um, not just thinking that okay if i clothesline this guy's head off because i was a big bad linebacker in the nfl and that's what's going to get me to my next week and to get people to buy my t-shirts and that's what's going to get me over like no we got to do this 200 times a year 
I, I want my legacy to be that I made sure that the guys like Edge and Seth Rollins and AJ Styles and and God, I miss Daniel Bryan. I wish he was still here. But these guys, Finn Balor, th these guys that are coming up like like Priest, um, um, Theory, uh, uh, the Street Profits, Riddle, especially th these guys that have all the potential in the world. And in some cases, like the first guys I listed, Roman as well, these guys that can work and they know the art of this business. I want my legacy to be that I was able to, with these gentlemen, take this business to the next generation and make sure that that new wave of talent knows how to do it the right way, staying true to the art of what it is and making sure that number one priority is taking care of your opponent's health that you're in the ring with. That needs to be number one in, in every case, in every case. Uh, and I think if, if that's my legacy, I'm happy with that. All right, that's it. I'm done here. First, though, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Make sure that you follow WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. That's where you can find all of our content throughout the week. But also, make sure you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character on video every week. Every Wednesday is when it premieres early in the morning on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. But there's also clips from out of character throughout the week. There's stuff in the community tab. There's YouTube shorts. The WWE on Fox YouTube channel is popping. So make sure that you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. And lastly, speaking of subscribing, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast feed. If you're listening here right now, and you're not subscribed at this point, what are you doing? Get your act together. Hit that button. And if you've been listening for a while and you're listening here and you've gotten this deep, then do me a favor. Hook it up with a rating or a review either on Spotify is where you can – I think Spotify is where you can do the, the stars and, and uh, Apple Podcasts is where you can write a review as well. So hook it up, guys. Hook it up. <laughs> I appreciate it very much. All right, that's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been Out of Character.